Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. How are you guys doing? Good to see you today. Welcome to our series called uh, Truth Be Told. Uh, We are in week four of our series, and it's an eight-week-long series on the parables of Jesus. And Jesus used parables or simple stories uh, to reveal life's big picture. He used stories about everyday life to reveal his wisdom, uh, particularly to demonstrate or illustrate two things. Number one, he wanted to uh, reveal characteristics of God's kingdom. And number two, the character of God. And so if you would keep that in mind throughout this series, I I know you've heard that before. Um, I don't mind repeating it. Uh, Repetition is the key to learning. Amen. And uh, as we walk away from this series, if you just remember that, it'll make a big difference in how you read the parables and what you get out of it. And so uh, with that, you guys ready for the word? Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for creating us and giving us this amazing gift of life. And thank you for creating the church. Lord, thank you that you've brought us together as spiritual community. And Father, I thank you for your presence here today. Lord, I ask that you would awaken our hearts, our minds, to perceive you, to experience you. God, I ask that your spirit would take your word and make it real, reveal the significance of it to us. And Father, I pray that it would be more than uh, just something in our mind, but it would be a conviction or a foundation in our heart that uh, we can live by. And so God, would you make it real in that way? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in Luke chapter 10. If you would turn to your Bibles or your devices. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side of the road. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them, and then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I will pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. There are five points that I'd like to highlight from this particular story that Jesus told. And the first one is compassion. In this story, Jesus revealed that those who make a difference, those who actually take time out to pull aside from their busy life and their schedule to help somebody else are those who care. Those are the people that make a difference. Now, the example is a little bit extreme. 
Uh, it's very rare that you're going to be walking along in life and find somebody unconscious on the side of the road. But sometimes you'll find people who, if we're sensitive and perceptive, people who are hurting emotionally or relationally. And they may not look like it on the outside, but on the inside, it's just as bad as having been beat up and robbed. And how we respond to people when they're hurting can make all the difference. You know, whether or not we see them as, whether or not we really believe that they have a God-given identity and a destiny will determine whether or not we respond in ways that are encouraging and life-giving Or if we define people by their lowest common denominator, our words and the expressions on our face will actually communicate hopelessness. And so it's important to ask ourselves, you know, how do we respond when we see people in need? And I want to share with you an illustration. Uh, It's a true story. Uh, There was a man in the military. Uh, He was in the Marine Corps, and he was a fighter pilot. Uh, which is quite an accomplishment because only 4% of all Marines make it to be a fighter pilot. Many pilots become pilots of helicopters or transport, but only the top 4% become fighter pilots. And uh, this man uh, tells a, a true story of what happened early in his military career. And he was having a, a really bad experience. And he talks about the difference that somebody made in his life. And we have a little video clip we're going to show you. It's just four minutes. If you would bring your attention to the screen, we'll go ahead and roll that. Basic flight training, flying a little T-34. And it was determining whether or not I would ever end up just less than 4% of Marines ever made it to just. Most of them went to helicopters. So in a few minutes, your skill in air combat maneuvers will be put to the test. You'll be asked to demonstrate some basic combat maneuvers. The snap roll, the barrel roll, and of course your landing has to be impeccable. You know the drill. You ready to go? Yes, sir, I am. All right, let's go. Affirming words from an authority figure can make or break you in so many ways. I remember primary flight training so well and the importance of having positive affirmation from an authority figure. It was a critical area of decision as to what your future would be in the military because in primary flight training for Marines, only the top 4% went on the jets, the rest went to helicopters or transports. I had wanted to fly a jet aircraft since I was four years old. I wanted to be a fighter pilot. And so it was all I was living for. So there was a tremendous amount of stress. The briefing went well. He was instructing me in all the details of what needed to take place. Walked out of the aircraft, takeoff was normal. Once I got in the air, something happened. My brain just quit working. All right, Roberts, here we go. Now come into a heading of 270. Roger, 270. Peace cake. Roberts, what are you doing? It's the other way. We went from one disaster to another disaster to another disaster and me messing up. If you lost all your instruments right now. Which direction is the airfield? Directly ahead, sir. Here's a clue. It's 180 degrees behind us. We came back in for landing. 
I must have bounced three times on that landing. I'm boing, boing, boing down the runway. Thought they were going to have to shoot me down to finally get me to land. We got out of the airplane. Captain Gunnis was waiting for me. It took me a while to get out because I was so disappointed in myself. What the heck happened up there, Roberts? Uh, uh, sir, I, 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 really, I really don't know. You're going to have to learn to get your bearings. I'm walking about 10 paces behind them because they determine your life. And I'm thinking, I'm failed. I'm going to end up getting dropped from this program. I mean, it's not even, will I, will I not fly jets? I'm not even going to be able to fly anything. It was so horrible. So I was totally humiliated. We're walking along, and another flight instructor comes with a student walking beside him. Chip off the old block. That was excellent, Donald. And they're looking kind of sharp and all together, and I'm looking horrible. Cam Gunnis calls out to the other flight instructor. Hey, Jim. Yeah. See this guy here? What about him? Best flight student I ever had. Oh, yeah? You can fly circles around your guy any day <laughs> of the week. This guy, everybody knows nobody can beat my students. Now I'm telling you, he's the best. I still see you blowing smoke. Top of his class, top of his squadron. What do you got here? Have you seen this guy fly? No. He's the best. In fact, he's going to graduate top of the class. We'll see. We'll see. Mm, we'll see. Listen, don't let one bad day determine who you are and how you can fly. Everybody has bad days. I believe in you, Roberts. Captain Gunnis' words of affirmation that day gave me hope. I ended up graduating in the top of my class because of his affirming words. Gave me the ability to believe in myself when I'd lost hope about my abilities to really cut it. That affirmation that day changed my heart from turning in on myself and condemning myself. What he did is he spoke hope in my heart when I lost all hope in myself. Affirming words from an authority figure can make or break you in so many ways. That's why it's so important. Thank you. Great illustration of how one person can make a difference when we're down and out and we're hurting. You may not come across somebody who's laying on the side of the road who's bleeding and unconscious, but we come across people all the time that are hurting. And how we respond to them, you know, whether or not we really believe that they are created in God's image and have a destiny, whether or not we really believe that God can be at work in their life will determine whether or not our, our comments to them and our responses to them are words of hope or words of hopelessness. And so compassion is so important in our relationships with people, uh, with our kids, with our spouses, with our coworkers. Uh, when we have compassion, we make a difference. Amen? The second point I want to make is correction. The religious leader asked Jesus this question, who's my neighbor, trying to justify himself, or maybe trying to justify his actions or his inactions. And Jesus, in a very wise way, redirected the question. He told the story, and then he posed another question. And he said, who was the good neighbor to the man who fell to robbers? And of course, the answer is obvious. Jesus wanted to point out the idea that we shouldn't be focusing on looking for who we can help. The focus should be on how can I be a helpful person? How can I be a helpful person? Jesus knows there's more than enough people in the world that need help. But there's a great shortage of people who are willing to help. And I think Jesus kind of meant this idea when he told another illustration. He said, you know, before you try, before you try to take the log out of somebody else's, the speck out of somebody else's eye, take the log out of your own eye. 
In other words, we may be the ones who actually need the help to become a person who can be helpful. You know, one of my prayers for many years has been, God, would you enlarge my heart? You know, give me the capacity to be able to have that compassion to be able to help people. And so Jesus provided a correction there in the story and in the question. The next thing that he did after the religious leader answered correctly is he gave a command. He said, then go and do likewise. Now, we all know we should be helpful. That's common sense, right? But I want to take us a little deeper in this and ask ourselves why. And that could apply not just to why we help in a certain situation, but why do we do anything? You know, what is our general motivation for the things that we do? You know, do, do I do things? Do I try to be a good student or try to be a good uh, son or daughter? Do I try to be a good worker um, because I'm afraid that if I don't, they may not like me? Now, that's a common motivation that happens. That's a general motivation that happens in the world. But Jesus wants us to um, come to a place where the things that we do are not because of what we might get or not get, but because of what we've already been given. Let me put it this way. Good works do not lead us into heaven. They follow us into heaven. In other words, good works are not a prerequisite that will give us the reward of right standing with God. They're the result of the fact that we've already been given this amazing gift of being in right standing with God. The things that we do are not an earning or a ticket to get us into heaven. Uh, They're not a prerequisite. Jesus is our ticket. He's already gone before us. And once we receive him, we receive that reward. And then out of thankfulness, the things that we do are a result of, of thanksgiving for what God has given to us. And so there's a command there to go and do likewise. But it's important for us to be aware of why am I doing what I'm doing? The other point that I want to make from this passage is a characteristic of the kingdom. Remember I said that in the beginning of each of um, these messages. One of the things Jesus wants to reveal is a characteristic of the kingdom. And I want to share with you an idea that maybe you've not heard before. And that is that hidden within this story is a picture of the kingdom of God. Hidden within this parable is a picture of God's kingdom. And so let me share with you a a few symbols, and then we're going to go back and reread the story through a new lens. In this revelation of God's kingdom, uh, the person who fell to robbers represents mankind. The robbers represent Satan and demons. The person who came to help the man represents God, who comes to find us and to save us. The inn represents the church. And the innkeeper represents the leaders who take care of the residents in the inn. Having that in mind, I want us to go back and read. Let's go back to verse 30 and reread the story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. 
And then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. We can stop there. Interesting story that Jesus tells at the very end there. There's actually an indicator of a promise uh, to those of you who are serving and meeting the needs of others and taking care of those who are in the inn. God promises that he'll provide everything you need. He says, here's what you need. It'll take care of the need. If by chance you sacrifice and give above and beyond, he says, I will reward you. I will repay you when I return. And so it's a picture of the church and Jesus' return and how it all plays out in this human drama. I want to share with us um, one last point. Uh, But before I do, I want to invite um, the worship team to come on up. As we're looking at this story and seeing the characteristic of the kingdom, uh, everything that we just read about God coming to find us and to heal us and to take us to a place where we can be safe, where we can get further healing, where we can grow, all of that is a picture of God's love. And so this is the last point, is the character of God. That's the other thing that Jesus reveals in the parables. God loves us, and he wants to take care of us. And he reveals that in this story, and he provides for the things that we need. Jesus encouraged us to remember what he had done. He invited us to take communion It's something that he asked those in relationship with him to do. Before we actually take communion, I want to give everyone an opportunity to make sure you have a relationship with God. And uh, what I'd like to do is for us just to, uh, if we would, spend a moment just to pray. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. Just ask the Lord to prepare your heart for communion. I want to make sure that you're right with him, that there's no... There's nothing unconfessed that you haven't brought before him, brought into the light. There may be some of you here in this room today that um, you're hearing me talk about a relationship with God. You heard the story of the Good Samaritan and the picture of God and mankind and him coming to find us and to take us to a safe place and to heal us and if that relationship sounds like something you want and you've never made a formal decision to invite God into your life I want to give you an opportunity to do that and we're simply going to pray if that's a decision that you've never made before but you'd like to do it today I invite you to pray with me and God will hear you but before we pray I'd like to know who I'm praying with And so if that's something you'd like to do, I want to invite you to go ahead and look up. And then when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if that's something that you'd like to do today, go ahead and look up at this time and we'll go ahead and pray together in a moment.
Okay, I see you there. Anybody else? Yes. Okay, there, I see you. Anybody else? Yes. Okay, yeah, I see you there. Anybody else? Yes, I see you there as a couple. Great, yes. Okay, yes, I see you. Anybody else? Yes, I see you there. Okay, let's take a moment to pray, yes. Father in heaven, I'm here. I sense that you've been trying to get my attention. And today I'm responding from the heart and saying yes to you. God, today I'm making a choice to open up my life. And I'm asking you to be a part of it. And Lord, I ask that um, you would forgive me for things I've done that have been hurtful to myself or to others. Lord, you know what those are. And I want to thank you for Jesus forgiving me for dying on the cross. And today I'm making a choice to invite him by your spirit into my life and to receive your forgiveness. And God, I ask that you would make that real. And if you're praying that prayer right now, I want to invite you just to take a moment to receive his forgiveness. It's for you. He came to establish forgiveness on the earth. Communion is just a symbol to remind us of it, but the real thing is you by faith, knowing that he forgives you and he loves you and invite you to receive that right now. It's for you. To be forgiven. To invite his spirit into your life and let him transform you by his love. Lord, you see those here right now that have opened the door and they've let you in. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are faithful to your promise that you do come into their life. We thank you right now for what you have done. And Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to each one, make yourself real to them, and allow them to become the people that you want them to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.